Welcome to Cultivating Conservation, a podcast navigating new ideas of what conservation means and how we really can promote change. My name's Megan, and for the past 10 years I've been working as a filmmaker, telling stories about the natural world, in particular stories about whales. And I found on so many occasions whilst discussing different issues that all these incredible people around me doing exceptional things were not comfortable calling themselves conservationists. I'm here to call you all out and to instigate informal chats with individuals from all backgrounds about what the term really means to them. Delving into what shaped their thoughts and how each navigate the ideas of true conservation in what can sometimes feel like a constantly changing and hopeless future. My hope is to nourish and grow conscious conversations to ultimately help save the planet. Incremental change leading to monumental change. And if listening to this inspires just one person to get involved in something they really care about, then I'll be happy. So, what does conservation mean to you? Finley Pringle is a marine conservationist, climate change activist, Sea Shepherd shark ambassador, and alongside his family has collected nearly 10,000 kilograms of trash from the shorelines of his home in Scotland. But most importantly, at the age of 16 years old, right now he's trying to complete his exam so he can once again focus his efforts on saving the planet. At the age of 10, Finley was in love with sharks, but became upset when he found out that over 100 million of them were being killed every year due to human threats. This sparked a nearly decade-long journey into activism and conservation, so far. As of February 2024, he has completed 269 climate strikes on Friday mornings instead of going to school. As a family, since 2020, the Pringles have completed 229 beach cleans and removed 9,832 kilograms of trash from the oceans. In 2024, so far, they have done 18 cleanups, collecting over 600 kilograms of rubbish from the shorelines. Finley is a whirlwind of productivity, and we spoke about growing up in the spotlight and how hard it is to stay positive in what can sometimes feel like a bleak future for this planet. Finn! Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, yeah. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for doing this, Finn. I really appreciate it. I know that you're a busy guy. Ah, it's all right. Well, first things first, Finn, if you could introduce who you are, where you are, and how we know each other. Hello everyone, I'm Finlay Pringle, I'm 16, uh, I live in the northwest highlands of Scotland in a town called Ollapool, and I do a lot of ocean and shark conservation. Awesome, and how did we meet each other? Oh god, I'm gonna forget. <laughs> orca, wa- orca Watch Week, Orca Watch Week. Was it? Oh, those were good times, I enjoy Orca Watch a lot. Up in Scotland, that's amazing. And it's actually something that um, Rob Lott on a previous episode spoke a little bit about. So it's this, yeah, it's this amazing week where everyone gets together um, on clifftops in the nor- most northerly parts of Scotland and we try and see if we can spot orcas from land. And it's amazing. You know, hundreds of people there and everyone jumps on board the ferries and yeah, it's, such an, it's such an awesome vibe for the whole week, regardless of the weather. <laughs> Oh, and the weather is horrific. Every time. Guaranteed. If you don't have a day where you can't see two metres in front of you, did you really go to Walker Watch? Exactly. Do you remember that one day when we were coming back on the ferry and um, I can't remember if it was Steve or Rob said, Meg, you might want to have a look at your tent through the binoculars here. And it was like at a 90 degree right angle. (laughs) 
Honestly, there's the best bit is the days you can't even see the lighthouse. I know. That's when you know it's Orca Watch. But moments like running across that field with all of you, of everyone oh, it's, carrying cameras and it's, binoculars, just waiting for that that moment where those whales are going to come around the corner. It's just absolutely pri- priceless. I am personally shocked that no one has fell over and broken their scope because <laughs> it's surprising that it's not happened yet. That's so true. Yeah, it is. The first question I usually ask people, Finn, is... Um, is an origin question. Being 16 years old, some people don't have that moment until after they're 16 years old. But for you, what was that moment, that light bulb moment that really made you think, wow, this is something that I'm really into. And it could be an animal, it could be a person that inspired you. What was that light bulb moment? I think, to be honest, it was just the entirety of my younger childhood. Because my dad studied ecology, so he basically introduced me and my sister to the natural world and we were out most days walking with the dog and seeing nature for ourselves and then I just was a no-life. I sat at home constantly watching wildlife documentaries because I was a little freak. I just like it's weird because it was just my entire childhood like I would just I was fascinated by it and it was just every day I'd just find out something new and I found it so interesting. Oh I definitely don't think that makes you a freak Finn that's definitely uh I think that's how that's how a lot of people that end up doing the stuff that we're doing I think agree to disagree yeah yeah I think my niece is starting to get really keen on watching nature documentaries now so that's really really awesome so was it your dad you think that inspired you a little bit to be thinking about the planet and the animals in the way that you do now I think that was definitely the start I think that got me like you know, moving down the road, and then when I started watching documentaries and things, it continued it on further and further. And I mean, living in Olapool helps so much for that, because I can just walk out my door, walk for five minutes, and be on a beach near the ocean. And it's, honestly, I think where I live as well is a massive part of it as well. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure that that uh, really does help, being having access to a coastline and, and yeah. nature is... um is yeah totally formative not even having access to a coastline just wherever you live having access to some sort of wild space is just so important mm, totally for everyone and when did you become first interested in sharks probably around the same time i think sharks were the first thing i latched onto and then i had this weird phase in the middle where i moved over to whales and dolphins and did stuff with wdc and orca watch i, I still go to orca watch but i was like in this middle of this massive dolphin phase and then I sort of just went back to sharks. What is it about sharks? I don't know. Like, I really wish I had an answer for you here, but I I don't know. I just find them really interesting. But they're these massive predatory fish that we constantly in the media just lambast. It's horrific. But are actually just incredible, intelligent creatures. I don't know. I just find them really fascinating. But at what point did the conservation of sharks or the protection of sharks really sort of latch on with you? At what point did you think, I need to use my voice here to to really talk about sharks? I think the first campaign I did, I did when I was 10, uh, where we did some, I went to a, basically a protest against like sewage. And then we actually succeeded in that, which was good for my first ever campaign to be a success because it got me thinking, OK, well, that went well. What else can I do? So that was before when I went into Wales. And then I think the first ever shark-related campaign I did was the Bear Grylls thing, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. Can you talk a little bit about the Bear Grylls thing? Yeah, of course I can. 
Um, so I went on social media basically, uh, and called out the scouts and uh, Bear Grylls, which wasn't great because then I had like sixty-three scout leaders just abusing me on social media. But you know, why were you calling out Bear Grylls? Uh, in Birmingham, uh, he basically created this. I don't even want to say like part. Basically, a like an amusement park, effectively, where you can do all the most dangerous and horrible things in the world. And in there was a shark tank. Right. So it was. So it was captive sharks. Which then there's arguments for and against captive sharks. I'm against them, but there is arguments to be made for positive ones. However, for me, the entire point of them being in there, because they're these dangerous creatures and things, was just pointless. And then not only that, they were in a tank, which is, like, far too small for them. Which I think is just the same for every species of shark in a tank. Because, like, black tip reef sharks, which you see in most sea life and other aquariums, have an actual home range of, like, a mile. And, like, you just can't make a tank that big. So they're just never going to be in the right conditions. Yeah. And then the thing that made it worse out of all of this was that the shark trust was profiting off of it. Wow. So every time someone went diving with the sharks, the shark trust was profiting off of it. So I was fuming. (laughs) So I wrote a draft message and then my mum said, no, you can't say that. And then she effectively rewrote it in language where... You know, I was at least trying to be polite. and as, So then I changed it again, and then we went back and forth until we were both happy. And what happened as a result of sending in that letter? Absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, so we it's weird, because they actually offered, you know, as this form of appeasement for, like, for me to, you know, go in and see it for myself. And I said, all right then, I'll bring some friends with me. Because uh, at this point, this has become quite a thing. Um, so the one show wanted to do a story on it, so I was going to bring them in with me. Uh, I was going to bring in Dominic Dyer, who's a massive campaigner. I was going to bring in some other campaigners, Megan McCubbin. And at that point they went, nah, you're not coming in. Nope, not doing that. Oh yeah, there's a surprise, yeah. Massive surprise. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And when it comes to navigating campaigns like this and these sort of passionate thoughts and feelings you have towards these topics... Do you find public speaking hard or is that something that you think comes naturally to you? It's interesting because when I I was younger, I found it really, really easy. Now that I've got a bit older, I've got a bit more self-conscious. So I found it a bit more tricky, but I'm still okay at it. But it's got... it's Because when I was like 13, 14-ish, I just didn't care at all. So I would just stand there and talk. Whereas now I kind of care. So I'm not as good at like networking and public speaking that's definitely good I've got worse at that as I've got older that's interesting where do you think the confidence came when you were much younger to do that because I think when I was much younger I didn't really a point of I didn't understand what was like I understood what was going on but like I didn't view it as this major thing like when I did uh when I talked at Chris Packham's first walk for wildlife I didn't view that as like a massive event and like that was massive like that was like 10,000 people. And then I didn't care. But now I'd be like, and I'd have to like spend a couple of weeks planning and preparing for it. Whereas then I was just like, eh, yeah, just get me on stage. I'll just talk. And at what point did you start becoming involved in the school strikes for the climate? Can you talk a little bit about that and your journey with, with that campaign? So the main thing for me 
was I always, I just basically, laser focused on sharks and all of that. And then when you're focusing right on that one animal or that one topic, you begin to realize that everything's connected. So like, in order to protect sharks, you can't just campaign about sharks. You have to do something about plastic pollution, because that's an issue. Have to do something about climate change, because that's an issue. You have to tackle overfishing as a whole, because that's threatening sharks from not being overfished, but they're prey being fished. So in order to, like, pigeonhole yourself on that one species or thing, you have to just become basically a jack-of-all-trades and do a bit of everything. Um, and that's kind of how climate started for me, because I realised I couldn't just do sharks. Because in order to do that, you have to do all this other stuff, and climate change is a massive part of that. How many weeks have you been taking the Friday mornings off school to protest in your local community? Oh, no, I was really hoping you wouldn't ask this question. Honestly, I don't have a clue. <laughs> Um, it's not something I've personally kept track of. My dad does. It's must be, it must be three or four years now, maybe even four or five years, right? I started in 2018, so it's actually more like six. Wow. So it's been a really long time, but like, it's been so long, I don't keep track of the exact number. Do you think that in doing that, because you do it with your sister as well, Ella, right? Yes. And have you noticed a shift in your community or interest within your community as a result of doing that are you the only children in your community that are doing this regularly on a weekly basis uh, i am the only person in Ullapool doing climate strikes yeah and do people come and talk to you during this time do you do you see a shift in your community of people becoming curious about what you're feeling passionate about yeah there's local people and stuff that will walk by and then we'll have a chat and things like that most of the time not about climate because it's a bit depressing to have a chat about so we just talk about like life and how things are going and stuff like that it's quite nice just to have a chat with people yeah at school your friends and cohort at school do you think they understand why you're doing what you're doing i i think they actually completely understand why what i'm doing and why i'm doing it like 100 percent. and i don't think that because they're not climate striking i don't think that means they don't care i don't think that means that they're not bothered i just yeah they're just not doing it which is fair enough because some of them are studying and revising do you think you find it easier to reach out to people and talk about what you're passionate about online or do you find it easier to do it in person i think it's a bit of both um i think i've made some good friends online but then i wouldn't say they're anywhere near as close as the people i've met at conferences and things like i met uh kabir cool uh bird fair and many conferences in london and we're really good friends because of it and we get on really well so i don't think it's I think you can make friends on social media if you're like-minded and things, but I don't think it's particularly comparable to people you meet in real life. Because mm. coming on to the subject of balance, how do you find, at the age of 16 now, how do you find you're able to balance your life at home versus the life that you having in conservation? If I'm completely honest, I don't. Like, I really don't. I've really struggled to find a balance. Last year, I was much more focused uh, on... I, I wouldn't even say I was focused on environmental stuff very much last year. Because these past few years, I've definitely taken a step back because I have my exams. Uh, so I spend most of my time doing that these days. And then the plan is next year, when there's the pressure's off and there's a lot less exams, I'm going to get right back into going... Just going for it again. Because I think 
especially higher than that fives, you just need to take that step back for like that year and just focus on them because they are really important in this day and age, which is unfortunate because I would have, there were some really nice opportunities last year that I would have loved to have done, but it's just life and you've got to find that balance. And for me at the moment, exams take up more of that. Good for you. Yeah. You have to put your mind to where you feel is more important at the time. And that certainly is. How do you navigate the pressures of having such a heavy topic at the forefront of your mind so early in your life? Climate change and the issues that are going on in the planet are such heavy topics. How do you get away from the dreariness of it all sometimes? Again, if I'm completely honest, I don't. Uh, I've had a slew of horrific mental health issues because of climate and everything. And unfortunately, I think in this day and age, that's part of doing environmentalism and climate work. In the past, I used to be very happy and just telling people, yeah, go for it, do like conservation and environmentalism. But these days, I'm much more do it if you want to. I don't, it's just, it's a difficult thing because it's such a load of emotional baggage to do environmental work that I'm much more worried about encouraging people openly to do it because there is just so much you need to take on your mind because of it. I find sometimes that if I'm feeling really down um, and weighted with what's happening in the world having access to nature I find really 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 helps me now you guys as a family go out all the time and litter pick on beaches do you find that helps lift your spirits a bit when you think you're just doing you're just doing something manageable it's just the next step all you've got to do is go outside and find some litter and and weigh that litter and have a have a number behind that litter and think I've removed this off the beach do you think that helps yeah, because I think with climate, uh, climate is all tangibility, what we can do, why aren't we doing it, God, I hate my life, why aren't politicians doing something, is the climate experience, basically. But that's why doing beach cleans is such an important thing, because it's doing something practical. Like, you can actually see the difference you've made, and that's why they are so important. Yeah. I completely, completely agree. I'd love to be able to provide the audience with some statistics towards the end of this episode about how much litter you have removed from the beaches around your local community because it's endless. You guys are just always out there collecting bags and bags and bags. Do you know how much you've collected? I can get my dad to send you the number as well as the exact number of climate strikes I've done just in case you want that as well. Finn Pringle has been taking part in the Climate Action School Strikes every Friday for 269 weeks. As a family, the Pringles since 2020 have completed 229 beach cleans in Scotland, collecting a total of 9,823 kilograms of trash. So far in 2024, they've done 18 cleanups and a total of 600 kilograms of trash. Do you think the trials that you've been through in terms of mental health with the climate, do you think that it's making you a stronger person? Can you see a light at the end of the tunnel with that? I'm an incredibly pessimistic person, mainly because I was told to think positively about something uh, and I decided to and it was COP26. So I've realised that being positive in climate doesn't help because you'll be positive and then nothing will happen and it'll be worse. So. I'm very pessimistic. I'm of the personal opinion that politicians aren't going to do anything and the worst is going to pass. 
but I'm still going to campaign about it because you never know we might get lucky. But I'm very pessimistic as a person. So do you feel like you've that optimism has turned into anger now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I was never optimistic, but the one time I was optimistic, things got worse. What is the point? Yeah. It must be just so exhausting to sit there and listen to everyone talking and nothing and nothing happen. I can totally feel you on that one. I think one of the things that I was so impressed by when I met your entire family was actually your parents' story, the journey that they've been on following you through the journey that you've been on. How important has the support of your parents been through this journey of the last sort of six, seven years of conservation and and activism? It's the most important. I think if it wasn't for my parents, I wouldn't be doing this in the first place as the major thing. But even more than that, like, the amount of support they offer me in things, it's genuinely incredible. Like, your parents are truly people who will stick by you through almost anything and will fight by your side, even if it gets them in trouble at work, which it very often did for my dad, because, you know, he works for the Scottish government. Huge shout out to Jeff and Rachel for that, because they just have been amazing. Yeah, genuinely. Do you have any advice to parents out there that might be listening, that might be raising children, that they're they're worried about their children's mental health towards the climate or they're worried about the future for their children? How Do you have any advice to parents out there because of what you've been through with your parents? It's really, really difficult because the reason why your kid would be so upset is because it's completely reasonable because at the end of the day, politicians are throwing our futures down the drain. That's like... If we strip back all the nonsense words they use, that is the sh- that that's just what's happening, and it's really worrying for most people my age and younger, and the future generations to come. It all comes down to if your kid is really upset about climate or something, get them out to do something practical, because climate is all these words, and then you, there's no like tangible thing you can physically do to make a difference. So what you need to do is get them to do something that makes a difference, where they can physically see what they've done and go, oh, I can actually do something. Because if you just do climate, you will think that you are powerless and can't do anything. So you need to get out there and do something practical. Beach cleans, litter picks, perfect example. Because when you're done, you can see where you've been and you can see what you've done. So amazing, Finn. Looking into the future, Finn, once you've finished your exams at the end of this year, what's next for you? What are you looking forward to jumping back and getting involved in and making an impact in? It's weird, because you often really don't know what the future holds, but I'm planning on getting back into it. I, I, I won't say doing more beach cleans, because honestly, they're really good, and they, I do great work, but I'm sick of them. Because, <laughs> like, you know, it's an important thing to do, and I'm happy to do it, they get on top of you after a while, especially if you're doing them every week. But importantly, I think for me, it's going to be going to conferences and like doing things physically again, because I just haven't been able to. And being able to like, as I say, m- talking and meeting people online is all well and good. But actually doing stuff in person, it, it's so much better. Like lockdown was horrific because the only things I could do for campaigning was sit on Zoom calls all day. And it just, no, not fun. But, like, being able to go to a physical conference, meeting with people that I've been on Zoom calls with to discuss 
uh, campaigning, no matter what that's to do with, I like to try and do as much of everything as possible, jack of all trades, because that's what you kind of have to these days in order to make a difference. So I'm just looking forward to getting back into everything again, really. feels like community is really important to you and how you view the challenges of dealing with climate crisis. Yeah, it's so important. Like having that group of people that you know that support you and more importantly, I think the same as you. Because as I said, in my school, most people don't. I don't care quite as much as I do. But it's it's weird because you need to find that like group of people who share not the same opinion, because that's boring if people all think the same, but are like-minded, care about the environment, because you will always have each other's back, because you all agree at the end of the day on climate and the rest of it, and you've all been through similar experiences. And it's so important to have that group of friends that you can rely on. Do you have any advice for people of your age and your generation that are inspired by listening to what you've just said here today? What advice do you have for them for getting involved in being part of that community? Go for it. Do it. Genuinely, go for it. Do it. Do what you want. My main bit of advice is don't overdo it. I overdid it and still dealing with the repercussions of that now. Take your time. Don't rush it. Don't do too much. Don't overwork yourself because it lasts much longer than you think the effects of that would. And more importantly, don't be me. Try and be optimistic. You know, try and be what I'm not. You know, do as I say, not as I do. Try and be optimistic about the future because we need as many of those people as we can get our hands on. Yeah, wise, wise words. That's a reoccurring topic that's coming up every single week for me when I'm talking to people is the idea that this is a long slog. This isn't a short game. We're all in this for the long run. A lot of the people that I've spoke to have been on the path that they're on now for decades, whether it's, you know, fighting, campaigning, researching, litter picking. It's been going on for a long time. So you have to certainly have to pace yourself because that all goes back to the ideas of balance. Just to finish off, Finn, I like to ask people to tell a story about being in the wild and experiencing something in wildlife, something that always, a memory of yours that is always going to make you smile and ground you back into thinking, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is why I'm finding that balance. This is why I want to keep moving forward. I think it has to be my first orca watch. Uh, I think I was eight or nine. I could be very wrong with the age. Don't quote me on that. But I don't know how old I was at the time. I was quite young. Um... Hulk was right at the bottom of the Duncan's Cliffs. I couldn't see him at all. So Steve Trollock, the hero that he is, puts me on his shoulders so I can see the orca. Honest, that will stay with me forever. That was... You never forget your first orca. I've said this before. Yeah, that's amazing. So that must have been back in 2013, 2014 maybe, something like that. I think it's a bit later than that, I could be wrong. But it was, like, relatively to the start of Orca Watch, you know, before we had all these fancy ferry tickets and before 10,000 people turned up, you know, when there was, like, six of us and we were all freezing cold and suffering, you know, the good old days. It makes it that much worth it when you're 
out in the elements and you're just waiting and you're relying yeah. on nature you're not going after it you're sort of staying in that one place and waiting for nature to come to you it makes it so much more satisfying when it does happen right and the best thing is is uh it didn't happen oh i can't remember what year it was i think it might have been two years ago we were sat at Duncansby because we don't object to the ferry, but generally we don't go on it. So we were sat at Duncansby and nothing had happened at all. Uh, and there was someone who had to leave. And just before they left, one turned up and went round the back. So literally on our last day of Orca Watch, it turned up. We'd been sat there for like two weeks, had absolutely nothing. But because we'd have two weeks of anticipation, it was so much better. Yeah, it just does make it all totally worth it. Is there any organisation or any person out there that's doing stuff right now that you would like to highlight, that you would like to give a shout-out to? Yeah, uh, I'll give a shout-out to them because I've created something with them. Um, uh, me, uh, along with Biteback, created a education pack uh, which is going into schools uh, to teach young kids all about sharks and the ocean. Wow, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I, I received uh, some funding uh, from the UN after the Youth Activist Summit. Yeah, Bite Back are genuinely incredible. They work off not a whole lot of money. They're UK-based, and they do such good work. So when I put this towards them and said, what can we do with this money? They came back to me and said, how about an education pack in a school? I was like, great, let's do that. Because I think a year before, uh, I'd done one with Twinkle which was about me, which was a bit weird. So when I said, when they said it was going to be about sharks in the ocean, I was like, yes, thank God it's not about me, which was great. And then nothing happened for like, it felt like five years, but I feel like it was more like two. It took such a long time for like, even to get the draft out, but it was worth the wait. It is incredible. It's on their website, free to download. It's great. And so is this now something that is being used in schools right now? Depends on the schools. Uh, it's all entirely, you know, it's optional. If you want to, if schools want to use it, they're using it, you know. It's just a resource for them to use. So I'm going to make a guess and say yes. So any educators out there, I'm going to put the link to this education pack in the show notes. And I want you all to go and download this link and uh, print off some copies. And It's genuinely incredible. It's got exclusive interviews from Steve Bakshaw, shark scientists. It is great. There's even a bit in there on me, which I objected to, but it's still there anyway. That's awesome, Finn. Well, thank you so much for your time. I just think the journey that you've been on and the work that you've done, achieved over the last few years has just been incredible. I can't wait to see what you do next, but more importantly right now, uh, I can't wait to see you excel in your exams and uh, get that out of the way so that you can uh, get back to doing what you really love. And then I can do fun things again and campaign and get abused on social media. I've missed that. You've got to keep anything that you can find to fuel that fire, Finn. Even if you even if you feel that it's uh, pessimistic, it's not because it's fueling your fire. So, and I please don't give up on those beach cleans because I think what you're doing is is so so important. And um, I'd really love for you to send my love to um, Ella and your mum and dad as well because uh, there's a big team behind you and um, they're the team and I just think they're amazing too. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much, uh, Finn. You're welcome. 
That was a really interesting episode and I'm just so impressed by Finley, not only because of the impact that he has achieved at just age 16, but his openness and honesty regarding the pessimism he feels towards the future of this planet. Climate anxiety is so real for so many people, including myself, but I think it's so important for us to try and listen to these young adults and better understand how we can help support them, especially if they really want to put their time and energy into these daunting tasks. I urge you all to take a look at the show notes for this week and head over to the Shark Education Pack produced by Finley and Bite Back. It really is such a great tool for all educators that are interested in incorporating more conservation into their classrooms. Good luck on your exams, Finley, and uh, keep up the good work. I promise you really, really are making such a difference. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Got some thoughts and feelings? Let's keep this conversation going. Please do get in touch, rate, subscribe and comment to help other people find this podcast and let's keep cultivating conservation. <laughs>